Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Welcome back to a special edition Sports Talk Sunday. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're here with you. For the next couple of hours until 2 o'clock, basically moved our full Sports Talk Saturday over to Sunday today as the Super Bowl takes place later on today, about 6.30ish. So really the kickoff will be like 6.52, right? Yeah, you can always count on closer to 7 o'clock. I mean, hey, Del Reed's going to be part of it, so I'm not going uh, to be mad at that. Mm-mm. And uh, we just had Del Reed, founder of Bill's Mafia, 26 shirts on with us in the last segment. So if you just missed that, you could rewind on the Odyssey app or you can uh, listen to it when we post it on WGR550.com. We go from one guest, though, right to the next. As this was a tradition that we started, I do believe it was 2017 uh, or 2018, sorry, uh, when Mark Schofield joined us for every Super Bowl until I stopped being a part of weekends for a couple of years but now we're back doing this show and you better bet it's a tradition unlike any other where we have mark schofield on to talk about the superb owl the food the food that is going to be at parties and of course anything and everything else around the league mark it's derek it's kyle welcome back to our usual tradition Good good morning, friends. It is great to be back. It is great to have this tradition back. Like you said, a tradition unlike any other. I, I don't care what Jim Nance has to say about the Masters. This is the <laughs> this is the true tradition, the grand tradition in all of sports, and I'm so happy to be here. Yeah, and of course, I'm always happy to have you uh, joining us alongside. Mark, of course, this is the game where I kind of want to ju- uh, cheer for like the power outage instead of either of these football teams. Can you f- help tell me a way to actually be able to enjoy this football game? You know, my honest answer is it's been a struggle for me, too. <laughs> I mean, I will say that the morning of the conference championship games, I woke up, I was really excited because I thought we got a chance at some really good Super Bowl matchups. I was very excited for a potential Ravens-Lions game. I thought that would have been great. You know, Chiefs-Lions would have been nice because you started the year with that game and you can end it with that game. A Ravens-Niners rematch, I think, would have been fantastic, too. And this is the game, like the fourth option that I was like the most unexcited about. And that's the one that we're going to get. Now, in terms of getting up for it, I think there's some cool schematic stuff that we're going to see, some some cool sort of X's and O's battles that are going to play out. I'm very, very interested in Steve Spagnuolo. He's done such a great job this season with this Chiefs defense. He's done such a great job throughout the playoffs with that Chiefs defense. And him matching wits with Kyle Shanahan, I think is going to be fascinating to watch. I'm also curious, Steve Wilkes, the defensive coordinator for the 49ers, did a very good job, particularly in the second half of confusing Jared Goff and forcing him to hesitate, which is what you want to do going up against Jared Goff. But now you've got Patrick Mahomes to solve. 
And there's a sort of internal monologue I'm very curious about, and that's Kyle Shanahan versus himself. You know, what we've seen from this Chiefs team throughout their past couple of playoff wins, the game against Buffalo, the game against Baltimore, the specter of Patrick Mahomes on the other sideline sometimes gets you to go against what you've done best. Consider the AFC Championship game. Ravens have such a great run game, but their running backs get six carries because they're trying to throw the ball. They're trying to score. And what was basically a one-score game for the most part. Now you've got Kyle Shanahan, who's done some similar things in the past, look no further than Super Bowl 51, where, you know, he's offensive coordinator of the Falcons. They've got a chance to salt that game away, and they're still throwing it late and letting the Patriots come back into it. This is a Chiefs defense you can run on, but what does Kyle Shanahan do? Does he get away from the run, or does he lead into it? And so there's some fun stuff that's going to play out later tonight. Like you said, though, I, this was the Super Bowl matchup that I was least excited about, but over these past couple of weeks, I've finally warmed up to it a bit. Mark, of course, the uh, the big thing here uh, as an irritant in Buffalo is that the Chiefs could win yet another one. And uh, it's going to be a tough thing to uh, for a lot of NFL fans to endure of the talk of then it turns into a different conversation of now Mahomes might be chasing Brady in terms of titles and everything else of the sort. But unfortunately, I do have to say this is the part where I have to tip my cap toward the uh, quarterback of the Kansas City Chiefs. Yeah, I mean, he, he's been very impressive down the stretch here. And I think what's been fascinating about Mahomes, you know, if you look back to, say, four years ago when we saw San Francisco, Kansas City in that previous Super Bowl, you know, that season Mahomes averaged 8.6 intended air yards per throw, which was like 14th in the NFL. It wasn't the eye drop, you know, eye popping number that it was his first full year as a starter where it was like in the high nines. But still, it was an explosive downfield passing game. This year it's 6.6. He's ranked 40th in that metric, according to next-gen stats. It's a more sort of efficient, sometimes horizontal-based passing game. You know, the evolution of this Chiefs offense in many ways, and again, I say this as somebody that was born outside Boston and is a Patriots fan, it is reminiscent of what the Patriots went through at the end of Brady's run, where, you know, that team that beat the Rams in that second Super Bowl, it wasn't really an explosive downfield passing game. It was more ball control. There was a lot of 21 personnel with a fullback. There was a lot of the run game. That ability to evolve was impressive when it was the Patriots that did it. And I think it was impressive this year and over these past couple of years, really, when it was the Chiefs that did it. Another thing, you know, when these two teams met back in, you know, in 1920, the Chiefs never ran a single snap that year with 13 personnel, three tight ends on the field. Now they do it, you know, 10% of their snaps are in 13 personnel. So they've truly evolved, and Mahomes has evolved. And I think it is impressive to see. Now, certainly as fans of other AFC teams, it's not great, you know. You know, it's like Happy Gilmore learning to putt. But this is the NFL we're living through now, and if he does indeed get another ring later tonight, like it's just going to be one more notch on an incredible resume. Mark, I'm about to ask a question that's not fun for anyone here involved. But um... – I guess the longer this marriage with Reed and Mahomes goes on and the more success they have in different ways together as head coach and quarterback, I guess how much louder are those comps to Brady and Belichick getting? I mean, they're here now, and they're only going to accelerate, you know, in the overnight hour if they do, you know, in the the overnight hours if they do indeed win tonight. And, you know, this sort of Super Bowl media week began with rumblings about Reed and, retirement and potentially riding it off into the sunset. And now we're hearing in the past couple of hours that 
what's far more likely is an extension for Reed. You know, Jonathan Jones at CBS came out with a story just in the past couple of hours that if anything, they're going to do an extension for him because he's somewhat underpaid by coaching standards. I think his salary is like 14th among active coaches. And if he wins tonight, he'll have three rings. And the other 31 combined active coaches have six. So I think that, you know, we might see an extension. And look, when you have the chance to coach the quarterback we just were talking about in Patrick Mahomes, that's a big reason to stick around. And so if they win tonight, you get an extension done, yeah, you're going to hear a lot about, okay, this is our next Brady Belichick. They'll have three together, which is halfway to the six that Brady and Belichick won together. And Mahomes is sort of entering the prime of his career, and he's already shown an ability to evolve and adapt. And who knows if the league sort of everybody gets bigger and there, there's more run game focused offenses and things like that, they could do what they did again and sort of evolve back and be more explosive downfield. And so, yeah, if they win tonight, even if they lose today, but if they win, the Brady Belichick comps are just going to get louder and louder. Mark Schofield joining us here on the West Shore Hotline. Mark, uh, let's let's shift the focus a little bit here. Um, one of the more baffling things that happened this week was um, at the NFL Awards, the voting seemed to be a very um, a groupthink thing on uh, on the MVP. Uh, this was not the year for a unanimous MVP vote. Am I am I wrong to think that? No, I, I don't think you're wrong to think that at all. And I give Aaron Schatz a lot of credit, not only for his vote, but the way he's been out in front to sort of outline his reasoning for it. He made a well-crafted argument, I think, in the piece that he wrote defended his Josh Allen MVP vote. And I think you're right. I think we didn't have sort of a consensus, okay, this is the MVP, you know, type of player in mind until after the holidays, really. And it was really when the Ravens had that two-game stretch where they go into San Francisco and dismantle the 49ers at a game that people thought was a potential Super Bowl preview. And then they come back and they lock down the top seed with a win against Miami. It wasn't until then that there was even – a consensus candidate emerging. And if you think about the way this, this season unfolded, there were moments in time when it was like, okay, well, maybe Christian McCaffrey is the MVP. I'm you know, old enough to remember there was a two-week scenario, two-week time frame, where it was Dak Prescott. You know, there was even an argument at one point for Miles Garrett. I mean, there were a lot of potential candidates, Tyreek Hill and others, Brock Purdy, before that loss to the Ravens. And so I think you're right. This wasn't the year sort of for – a unanimous MVP. I do think that Lamar was a, a worthy winner this year. And if I had a vote, that probably would have been my vote. But at the same time, like if you want to make a case for Christian McCaffrey or, or Josh Allen on a year like this one, I'm more than open to that idea. And so I think generally speaking, this was the year for, you know, more of a split vote than the 49 out of 50 that we ended up seeing with Lamar. And then of course, um, a couple of the other ones that really were, um, it seemed like there was a lot of Cleveland heavy with uh, with three of these awards. I mean, obviously the uh, Joe Flacco comeback player of the year when he even publicly stated, he, what did I come back from? Uh, but then, of course, Kevin Stefanski, uh, coach of the year. And um, yeah. and then Miles Garrett over uh, T.J. Watt for defensive player of the year. Yeah, it was very Cleveland heavy. And then you had you know Jim Schwartz as assistant coach um, over Mike McDonald, which I thought was an interesting one as well. Um, you know, I, and I've seen some arguments that look, how can you say Stefanski is coach of the year when he's got comeback player of the year, defensive player of the year, and assistant coach of the year alongside him, which I think is an interesting way to sort of look at it there. And, you know, when it comes to coach of the year, I think 
the job that the Mecca Ryans did down in Houston, certainly notable to get a team that many thought was probably going to be not just in the outside looking in coming, you know, when it came to the playoffs, but probably with a, you know, a losing record to get that team into a division title and win a playoff game, I thought was a masterful job. And it was extremely Cleveland heavy. I know that there's been a lot of discussion about TJ Watt and sort of the balance between film and production and things like that on Garrett's side versus the pure numbers from Watt's side and what he was able to do and, you know, the different ways that Watt impacts the game, both as a pass rusher and sometimes what he does, dropping into coverage with interceptions and taking away throws and getting the throwing lanes. And so it was very Cleveland heavy, which I was surprised by. I mean, honestly, you mentioned the Flacco comeback player of the year. I thought that was a, a bit of a head scratcher to say the least. I mean, he came back from the couch, you know, and I, I've seen talking, you know, recent days since then that maybe we sort of need to refocus what we think comeback player of the year really means because DeMar Hamlin came back from something that we haven't seen somebody come back from before. And yes, he didn't post huge numbers and stats, but there's more to it than just the numbers and stats when you talk about coming back from what he came back from. And even more curiously, yes, this is going to be a Buffalo person trying to give Miami credit here. So let's make sure we put that on the record, everyone. I was surprised like Tua didn't get more uh, more of a vote uh, because he came back from something where it was possibly like, hey, your career might be in danger from your concussion symptoms and your concussion history. And he didn't get a lot of consideration there. Flacco and Baker Mayfield uh, getting more of the uh, more of the voting. It seems like, yeah, you might be right in the fact that we need to step back and possibly even separate what comeback player of the year means. Yeah, I mean, I, I think so. They, I actually saw this when I was reminded of Philip Rivers, one comeback player of the year, year after he played the entire season, just played bad. And, I mean, is, is that what we're going to turn this award into? I don't know. I, it seemed like, you know, there was a move towards coming back from severe injuries and things like that. But with the voting this year, it seems like the voters got away from it. It almost feels like there was a bit of recency bias in a lot of the votes that were turned in. You know, with Lamar winning 49 out of 50 in the MVP vote, you know, you see the two late games that we talked about. Obviously, Flacco's late season run, Mayfield getting that team into the playoffs. It seems like a lot of the recent events seem to factor heavily, almost ignoring that Tua, DeMar, came back from serious injury situations and health situations just to get back to the season. It seemed like voters were more leading into what had just happened rather than what had happened over the course of the entire year. Mark, of course, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't have you on here without asking the silly questions. Uh, so I hope you're ready now um, as, as we turn our focus to the more lighthearted side, because why else do I get paid to talk about things if I'm not goofing around? Right? Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So Super Bowl party. I'm starting to look at these uh, these bad food ideas and lists again because that's what I do. I try to make fun of them every time I'm doing this show. Um, what's the weirdest dish you've ever seen at a Super Bowl party or the biggest try-hard dish, I should say? I mean, I'm always amazed when people try to make their little cheese and meat plates look like <laughs> a stadium. Like, I, we don't need architectural design on Super Bowl Sunday. Like, just spread it out on a plate, spread it on a platter. Like, I don't need Allegiant Stadium in cheese cube form. And plus, like, <laughs> then you're under you're a little bit of stress, right? You walk over to the table, and it's like, well, I guess i got to take from the top. But there's always that thought in the back of your mind. Like, I want to take from the bottom and get this whole thing to collapse because we really are using too much time here to construct a stadium out of cheese cubes. Like, like just, just put the cheese, put the meat, the charcuterie, 
flat out on a platter. I don't need a stadium. There we go. I love it. I love it. Bringing the heat there uh, for anyone that's making food. Don't build it into a stadium. Just let the cheese yeah, and the I meat mean, exist. Will come. That was for Field of Dreams. That's not for my cheese cubes. Okay? <laughs> Mark, of course, um, I can't have you leave without uh, some form of prediction. It may break our hearts here, but you know what? We got to do the dirty work. Yeah, and, you know, I hate to do it. Um, but I picked Buffalo in the division around. I picked Baltimore in the AFC Championship game. I, I can't pick against Patrick Mahomes again. I just can't do it. Um, so I'm going Chiefs 27, Niners 24. I think it'll be a close game. I think it'll be a good game. Um, would it surprise me if San Francisco ends up winning? No, absolutely not. I think this could be a very good Super Bowl, and it'll continue with the trend of good Super Bowls you've had these past two years. You know, Cincy and the Rams was a great game. Last year's game was a good game. I think we're going to get another close one as well. But I do think that for us who are fans of other AFC teams, it's going to be a rather restless night tonight because it does seem like Patrick Mahomes and Andy Reid, they're going to get their third and they're going to be in for a, a very long offseason. The other thing to keep in mind is, and this is my most rock-solid prediction of all, we're in for, I think, seven long months of Brock Purdy discourse. Like, no matter what happens in this game, it's going to be a very long offseason of Brock Purdy discourse. That I know for sure. Mark, hey, I'm going to look at it in a positive spin. You're now using your jinxing powers for good. Yeah, I mean, that's the other thing. Like, for those that want to read between the lines there, I'm using the jinxing power for good. There we go. you got to at least try. Yeah, that's all I could do. On one side, you're trying to jinx it. On the other side, you're just looking credible. You know, it's a win-win. It's a win-win for me. and Those are rare in this business, a win-win situation. So when you get the opportunity to have one, you take full advantage. Mark, thank you, as always, for taking the time to join us, no matter the day, and especially on a Super Bowl Sunday, as we have done plenty in the past. Thanks so much, my friends. Enjoy the game. Enjoy the food. Enjoy the puppy bowl. Enjoy what's going to be a full-on global experiment. Wait, wait. Kyle's got something. Oh. I have one more thing. It falls under the umbrella of obscurity. It has... (laughs) um, it's been a couple of years since I've been on my letter, Kenny Grind. I heard mixed reviews of season 10. There we go. Are you prepared to pitch me to get back on the grind? Where did you fall on season 10 if you watched it? I'm halfway through it. It's okay. been okay. I will say, I think some of what's taken away from letter, Kenny, and enjoying it is how good Shorzy has been. Yes. Because Shorzy season one was great. Shorty season two was some of the best television I've watched. It was absolutely incredible. And then to come into Letterkenny season 10, it's still funny. It's still quirky. It's still got its moments. But to go from Shorty season two to this final Letterkenny season, I haven't finished it, but it does feel like a bit of a letdown. And I think that more has to do with the fact that Shorty season two and season one, really, were both fantastic. And even how Letterkenny started out, too. Uh, yeah, I mean, Letterkenny came out of the gate with just, you know, heater heat. after heater. It was tremendous. And so it's hard to sustain that over 10 seasons. And it's still good. It's still good. You know, the characters are great. You know, some of the one-liners are fantastic. Some of the moments are just incredible. But, yeah, it's it, it compared to some of the early Letterkenny seasons as well as shows you season one and two, it's not the same. Well, you know, hey, at least they know to walk away, though. Like, they made that decision on their own. It. They could have been going 14, 15, 16 seasons. They know, look, you know, 
it is what it is. Yeah, it's all good things have to come to an end, but it, it's still, you know, the episodes that I've watched, like I said, I haven't finished. They're still good. It's just going up against some of what they've done before and some of the other work. It's hard to compare them now. Appreciate you answering my hard hitting question. There we go. Hey, that's what, what, that's what Mark Schofield does, and that's what we appreciate about you. I appreciate you as well. <laughs> Mark Schofield, SB Nation, joining us here on the West Hill Hotline on a Super Bowl Sunday, as is the tradition unlike any other. Mark, enjoy yourself, man. Thanks so much, my friends. Enjoy the game tonight. You as well, man. That's Mark Schofield. You know where to find him on Twitter, at Mark Schofield. And, uh, of course, you'll be able to hear plenty of this conversation um, as we post it back online. If, you're, if you've missed any of it, you'll be able to hear that on our website at WGR550.com. All right. So we got ourselves a uh, a game. Like, you know how Pierre Dorian said we're a team? We're a team. Yeah, th- this is a game. It's a game. It's a game. It's a game. And we're going to have to kind of um, start turning our attention to that. First of all, though, um, we do make sure that um, Booty Cheek of the Week still does its normal thing. Just because I had one hour yesterday doesn't mean that the segment goes away. Okay. And uh, But then, after that, uh, I do want to dig into the NFL awards and the uh, ridiculous voting. We touched on it with Mark. I kind of want to go a little more in depth about just how weird the group think was and oddly pro-Browns voting it was for a lot of it as well. Sure. So we'll talk more about that. Booty Cheek of the Week, that's coming up next here. Derek Kramer, Kyle Powell, we're here with you for another couple hours on WGR.